Amazon and its drone project. It's grounded. The company plans to launch its first orbital missions with two Jekyll Orbital Pursuit spacecrafts. The exploration company is or defines its mission to democratize space exploration. <laughs> <laughs> Hi and welcome to episode 49 of the Tech Review, where we bring you all the latest and greatest or sometimes not so great news about the tech world. Join us as we dive into the deepest depths of innovation, social media and the ever-evolving world of technology. So sit back, relax and listen to our favorite articles of the week. And on camera 3 today we have Vincent, on camera 2 we have Henrike and on camera 1 this is me. Hi, I'm Tarek. And I just realized that I forgot to play the music so I have to introduce this in, in post but this is, this is not so, so important. Yeah, because... We're dancing Tech like this music. A, yeah, right. It's, it's like a silent disco, right? <laughs> Tech Review is a collaboration of Ideas Engineering, Free Tech Academy, and Update.com. And you can find all episodes on YouTube to watch or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts while you work out, drive, or maybe even travel through space. So, what happened last week? We will start with Vincent. Ah, uh, yes. It's a... So... I brought something. It's an old friend of us, of ours, right? It's 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 a story that we we tell over the years, uh, over the months and weeks, and over the episodes every time again. It's about Amazon and its drone project. It's grounded mostly. It is not flying. Uh, numbers that are uh, that Amazon is uh, reporting after a few weeks ago, we discussed that it will go into the air again. Uh, most of those numbers are um, based on a or are happening on a test area and um, only a few couple of flights and a few couple of deliveries Amazon actually made with its drone. And the reason for that is extremely interesting because uh, there are a lot of other drone companies that actually make dozens and hundreds of thousands of flights in public area because the U.S. air, um, I don't know. Department for Air Safety, whatever this is called. <laughs> it's in the article. Please read the article to have the actual name. Um, we can't it's read it. It's flexible. behind the paywall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bringing it anyways. The reason for that is because Amazon's drones are too heavy. They are way too heavy. And this sometimes even causes accidents. And um, this article is all about how, A, the drone program due to Amazon also cutting back on cost is one of the few programs being uh, mostly scraped. A, B, how other drones and other projects like that are surviving better because they're doing much more flights and much having much more experience because the drones are much easier to operate from a legal perspective within the United States. And see it talks about those accidents and that is extremely interesting because the accidents amazon states and it's definitely true that no one ever got hurt from this mostly those things crash into a car or something like that but here's the thing and that is so interesting before police were was able to arrive amazon co uh, employees removed most parts of the drone and Around and stuff debris around, around the accident because they were scared that other competitors will see the status of the project. <laughs> so they interfered with local legislation and jurisdiction 
to save or to keep the project further secret. And I find this so hard to believe because this sounds like from a science fiction novel. And I, I really loved this article. That's why I'm bringing it. So back again at Amazon Air, Prime Air, I'm sorry, mostly grounded. My big dream of having a Rüstungs company, a company <laughs> for military and defense use of drones, literally grounded this way. I'm very sad to hear that, but I'm happy to say I told you so, because if I remember correctly, the last time that I brought this article about um, the drone delivery program that it is, where was it, in Texas and somewhere else, California or something, where they started yes. this uh, this test test deliveries. Uh, and this is the end of this test. <laughs> exactly this. Is, this is, we're really continuing where we picked left yeah, off. Yeah. It's incredible. And I said, I, I do not believe that this is actually going to happen because it's so weird imagining in densely populated area having these drone deliveries. And so obviously people in the legislation uh, agree <laughs> with this estimation, with this, with this uh, evaluation of, of drone deliveries. Yeah, it's it's super sad, by, but kind of obvious. I would say. But what is part of the drones that no one should ever see? It's like that they get there first, take everything away that, you know, act like it's super confidential. And I don't know, as you say, like in a science fiction thriller, I'd say. It's like the mobile cleanup <laughs> I <crew>. think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine that there, there are people that get caught, right? I mean, so one of the drone crashes, right? Amazon called some of the employees saying, please drive out there now yes. and pick up stuff. <laughs> like, how does and that they, even work? And that they always been there before the police. I mean, so there must be like an automatic kind of, okay, this is going to crash. So they're already on their way before anyone ever, you know, yeah. is able to notice because people would call the police otherwise first and they would be there yeah. in no time to be fair to be fair the drones are special because most of the projects they don't carry as heavy um, packages as this amazon drone can and I, there, there are definitely a lot of reasons why amazon built it that way right they know exactly what the average weight of their package is they know exactly looking at specific areas what drones they might need right we're back at the rural and um urban district discussion that we had last time so there are a lot of i would say very unique things about that drone so i can see specifically u.s american companies that are always very much about secrecy and always very much about to protect their assets um i can see that they have an interest in in processing the whole thing most as 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 low-key as possible however Obviously, interfering with the local jurisdiction, crazy. Yeah, and uh, there must be some kind of dedicated cleanup crews and they will monitor all individual drones and everything. And I could imagine that if they are developing for years on these very special delivery drones, then of course it's very highly protective secrets that they have in there with their integrated software and their guiding system and everything. And so I could imagine that this is highly confidential. But if it happens regularly that these things crash, yeah, <laughs> then no wonder that nobody wants to have this as a regular thing. And uh, as you know, probably it's it's like Pandora's box. You open it and you will never be able to close it again. If they say, okay, yeah, start with, with uh, regular deliveries and you know how much Amazon is delivering every single day. So this would mean that 
probably over overnight uh, the sky is flooded with drones delivering everywhere and crashing everywhere so i could imagine that um, as long as something is crashing somewhere they do not get permission to use this uh, regularly I agree. I mean, from all of those test flights, only a couple were actually outside of the Amazon test area. Uh, we are <laughs> only talking. Yes, and we're <laughs> no, that not. But we're only talking about two to three crashes when as far as I remember. But still, per 10, uh, I agree with you. Very difficult, specifically when you scale it up to a regular delivery behavior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. But let's, <laughs> let's put a How do you say this in English? Let's put a lid on it. <laughs> Machen Deckel drauf. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, let's see if something in this direction will de develop over time. Because for now, I think it's, it's done. But maybe in a couple of months, they it will surely, try with a new generation yeah. of drones. Surely yeah, then, this is not the last time we see this yeah, here. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure. Or maybe maybe this is now the chance of i don't know elon musk's new drone delivery service or something that he uh, develops in secret in his basement because he's bored he does not have enough projects on the side and then uh, we will see something like i don't know the boring company tesla drones or something overtaking amazon drone edition yeah i mean he already has the boring company so right. it's just <laughs> yeah and the, tesla is, his, his uh, drones have flamethrowers yeah. and everything <laughs> we we haven't heard from elon in a while so there must be something uh, uh, coming. Uh, uh, uh. wait wait wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay and now this let's continue with tarek <laughs> the random generator has spoken And uh, I bring something uh, where I was shortly afraid that I might collide with Henrike because it's in her turf. Enter the Hunter satellites preparing for space war. Uh, and I was really thrilled to see these headlines because usually if I read something about Star Wars, it's about science fiction. But now we are talking about Star Wars in real life setting and uh, the Space Force. A company called True Enamel... A company called True Anem Anomaly. <laughs> True Anomaly. It's a startup founded by former US Air Force Major Evan Jolly Rogers. <laughs> True story. And he aims to solve the US Space Force's orbital warfare problems. The company, which has raised over $23 million from investors, plans to launch its first orbital missions in October 2023 with two Jekyll Orbital Pursuit spacecrafts. And these Jekylls, they are capable of rendezvous proximity operations, which involves maneuvering close to other satellites and training their sensors upon them without any weapons. So we are not talking yet about armed satellites uh, doing some kind of space wars, but kind of um, observation, right? So they are observing other satellites by going into very close proximity to them. Uh, you could say basically spying on them. And if it's successful, uh, Rogers aims to deploy thousands of these autonomous spacecrafts for the US military. And the company is designing this cloud-based control system to integrate autonomous agents and human operators um, and he applied for trademarks covering hardware and software for orbital space-to-space -space imagery. 
uh, and, and this involves like these rendezvous proximity and these target acquisition systems. And so uh, in, in theory, it does not sound very hostile because they are doing nothing else than observing. It's not, nobody shoots at anybody, uh, but it is really, really cool cool <laughs> where, where are my fingers cool in quotation marks uh that uh the u.s military now has these rendezvous satellites that pair with other satellites in very close proximity to make like observations and imagery and uh yeah <laughs> surveillance so this is the new generation of satellites that's the article they... say sorry yeah mm -hmm. go ahead no no I, was, I, want, <laughs> I wanted to ask if uh, it says how many of these satellites they want to build. I think uh, the, the article says thousands. Uh, let me search for it. I mean, it probably is just the first step anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's you, you just said it like it. only observation. Yeah. But I mean, this is just the first step. Hey, I mean, I think we can all imagine where this is going. Right. But um, to bring in... Uh, uh, One, one moment, because I, I just thought about this. To bring in some pop culture, because this is always very good content, if you remember the TV show Space Force, right? Where they had this... Yes. Where they had this hostile satellite approaching their satellite with, like, robot arms and dis dismantling <laughs> their, their systems. I think it was a Chinese satellite or something. I just imagine these satellites to do something like this uh, they are not hostile but they have arms and they like punching each other or something we are not shooting at each other <laughs> it's very very uh, i i have two questions about yes. it uh, question number one is um did they talk about specific event events where this was a necessary or more or less required action that they now are serving a purpose for a b Does that so? How does that work? So they shoot up the satellite. Understood. The satellite goes around orbit, um, decreases, increases its height in orbit to rendezvous, or not rendezvous, but to get in range with another satellite they want to observe. Okay, understood. They now start the process of analyzing their radars and stuff. Understood. Um, this to me sounds like a one use purpose because how much fuel could they have in order to rendezvous uh, specifically i'm not talking about increasing decreasing speed um, to increase and decrease height yes i understand that but i'm talking about then rendezvousing i mean this takes a lot of fuel to actually get into this very specific position because As far as I'm thinking right now, when we are planning out how to shoot a satellite into space or maybe sending Dragon crew up to ISS, we map months ago, we map out at what trajectory they need to fly in order to then after days rendezvous with ISS. Here, we don't know that because we don't know at what point in time and where and to with what specifics a hostile potentially hostile satellite may appear so this thing must be full in fuel or use something like hydro uh, hydro sun driven kind of fuel in order to get places 
Uh, yeah, let's start with your with your first question. So regarding the use case where they where they need needed this in the past, I don't know if there was like a single occurrence where they said, ah, now we we wish we had this kind of satellite. But I think it's this uh, emerging threat of armed spacecrafts that that the U.S. military is fearing that in the future there might be Russian or Chinese satellites which actually carrying. <laughs> laser guns or some kind of explosives that, that they can then shoot from space. No, say say a nuke, a nuke that is not uh, then connected to the defense system. Right, right. Uh, yeah. and, and for this, I think they always had these two questions. How can we detect this? This is what they are testing right now with their surveillance satellites that don't only have cameras for surveilling um, the earth but actually for scanning and un understanding what other spacecrafts which are orbiting earth are carrying yeah and uh, ideally being able to disable them then in some way either shooting them down or disabling them in, in another way Enrique? Uh, yeah but what then in the first place who decides or defines this is now a potentially hostile or like a, a potentially satellite that is you know armed and and carries those laser guns or whatever um you do not know that up front probably um it's probably also not obvious right away and then also the question comes into place again like do they try to have those um Uh, observation satellites like everywhere so that there is a close distance to wherever those dangerous satellites are placed from the competitors other countries and then like who decides okay now take that one and observe it because i mean yeah yeah i mean th this is How? a very specific question and of course i can't give you like the real answer because i don't have these inside information <laughs> but i think the, they the, don't the, talk about that that is in that <laughs> short article <laughs> no but i mean we, we saw i mean we saw this in the past when uh yeah. when submarines became stealthy and and very very efficient and i think in um the atlantic and in the pacific they had the same problem they had these sonar A detection grid where they send sonar waves to find enemy um, submarines and i think they had the same problem how can we create a, a grid that is uh, tight enough to find hostile uh, submarines and how can we decide if they are hostile if they are carrying weaponry and and everything underwater yeah because it's it's everything's kind of invisible underwater and i think today with satellites and spacecrafts we have the same thing the sky is very large and so w how can we create a grid a surveillance grid to make sure that we the, or the military sees Uh, all the spacecrafts and how can we detect which ones of them are hostile and armed and could actually pose, uh, pose a threat but these this, these specifics i think um th this is exactly what the u.s military is trying to answer which is not part of this article of course Tarek, no, but this is a different use case as far as I understood the article right the satellites are able to go anywhere in orbit to surveil other satellites what you're now talking about is a grid so we put a few of those satellites into orbit and make sure that whatever time of day it is we always have a more or less surveillance grid over the north american continent hovering above it <laughs> so when satellite a goes out of reach we already have satellite b from a different in a different in a different trajectory of now coming into uh, the north american surveillance zone 
And I think these are two different purposes because then also the question of fuel doesn't really matter anymore because then once you shoot them up there, right, and have them in place, you will always have surveillance satellites above your continent, um, disregarding now that there are different distances yeah. you could also then fly in when i say grid I, i do not mean like a literal grid and everything is standing in position i mean uh, with the with the submarines i think it is i'm not sure if they are mobile or if this is like a static grid um but the, the purpose of these satellites is to be mobile and to go wherever they are needed but when i say grid i mean like a swarm of satellites that is standing by for being deployed to wherever they are needed they they probably need more than one satellite that is standing by and then like cruising around searching for other <laughs> spacecrafts that's why what so i mean with, with grid like around two days multiple, later yeah it's in position <laughs> there, there are multiple uh multiple satellites scanning the sky or scanning other satellites and i think it's like this cat and mice game and then uh the 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 chinese are going to create a dummy satellite simply to Uh, make sure that the observance satellites are not able to track all of them or something like that. Yeah. So as I said, I, I, this comparison to the to the submarine grid, this is something that I just came up. I don't know how this is specifically working uh, with the space force, but this is how I could imagine that they make sure that they don't miss any satellites. Yeah. But the innovation that we have here is that these satellites are not in a geosynchronous orbit are uh, fixed in, in their movement or position and observing a special uh, place on Earth or like scanning different parts of the Earth. But actually we have spacecraft to spacecraft uh, surveillance. Yeah? And, and this is new where you get like very detailed pictures of a satellite by pursuing them and going into very close proximity without causing an accident. Yeah, And for your question with the fuel, also I have no idea. I, I don't know... Um, if they have I don't know, nuclear fuel cells on board or how they, they have enough energy to do this for a long term time or if they need to be refueled. I don't know. No, but if if it is like a grid, right, that we're talking about mostly about the North American continent and that we have from different orbits always a few satellites that cover more or less the north american continent in order to make sure that nobody is directly above hovering above it right it's collecting data then this makes a lot of more a lot more sense to me because then it is just like a regular satellite you shoot it up there it stays there. but, but i don't think that they have their satellites only over the north atlantic uh, continent I think they they are everywhere. They will have. No, they are searching for. Of course, they go around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I got. They won't just place them above. Yeah. There is no way to place them. Obviously, obviously, they are in orbit and going around. But I mean, they will create those patterns, and in the end, if that covers specific areas where they want to cover specific areas, right? If they. It, it will but, work but they, out with they the won't fuel. do that because they are not this is exactly the the difference if you have like a regular satellite this one is bound to either its orbit or a specific place on earth but those are the, these new satellites they are observing the sky they are not bound to earth they are searching for hostile other spacecrafts and so they they should not stay on a specific position because then the the hostiles are able to circumvent them because they know where the surveillance satellites are. 
Yeah, so they are going to probably cruise around in, uh, in, in ways that are not predictable or are hidden in some way because their purpose is to find those who do not want to be found. And because we do not have enough satellites already up there, yeah, right, not right. that it's a problem. It will be really crowded up there very soon. Uh, it already is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's jump to the next one. And now this. Because Henrika Otto has something for us. Let's continue with space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is an article from eustartups.com about a German-French startup called The Exploration Company that just raised 40 million in a Series A funding. I I wanted to remember the number you'd said just in your article. I think the company had like 23, 23 million yes. or something. Yeah, yeah, because it's the 40 million that is it's huge. <laughs> it's it's a big deal. Um, so that's why I also decided uh, we have to talk about this here. Ex the exploration company is or defines its mission to democratize space exploration uh, and make it sustainable, affordable and open mainly by building uh, the first European privately funded space capsule called Nix, Nux, I don't know, but also by developing an open interface software and hardware platform. Nix, Nix, I really don't know how to, how to say that, is the first space capsule that um, can be, or not the first that is privately funded, I already said that, um, that uses green propellants and open source the operating system completely. It can be reused multiple times. It can be actually refueled in orbit and um, therewith like expand also the mission length uh, that they're on to. And it's launcher agnostic, which is also very interesting because it can be launched by several rockets. It doesn't have to be the Ariane 6 or um, Falcon whatever it's um it can go with anyone it also said in the article that the commercial space market is estimated to reach 40 billion us dollars by 2035 and up to 70 billion if human spaceflight is included and so far there's no european solution right now to transport goods or humans to space and so they try to fill this gap what they have already did in nine months is to build um, the first demo um, vehicle um, that can already re-enter re um, uh, from orbit. And now that they also with the funding and but like also in the long run, they um, want to um, commercialize the first uh, full-scale space vehicle by, I think, 2026, which is not that far away anymore. Um, and before that, have the second demonstrator in, in, two, in next year already. So yeah, it's I think last time when we had our second space special just two weeks ago or something, um, we also mentioned that the European space race is on. And I mean, this is just another example, but it's like also on a global scale now. And it's nice to see that while this whole space market is booming and it's, I mean, it's mainly booming in the US, but Europe is kind of now catching up or slowly starting to catch up. And other than the, you know, funded companies funded by the Elons and Jeffs and <laughs> Richards in this world, this is now privately funded. And yeah, it's a German 
German French startup, um, also in, also a neighbor to ESA Aerospace that we just recently talked about. And this is really cool to see. That's a huge success. Right. What I love about this is uh, in the past when the space, the old space program was scrapped and uh, the Apollo missions were canceled and there were no more missions to moon and the space shuttles were removed. It was always under this premise space exploration is not profitable and there's nothing more we can learn and everything is done we do not want to go back to the moon and we have to concentrate on earth and somehow in the past years this obviously changed because we see so much investment in in this area and so much privatization obviously people see the possibility of making profits out of space exploration and colonization of mars moon or asteroid mining for example and so it's it's i'm i personally i i can't do these calculations i do not know how much um, these companies are estimating to earn with space exploration or transporting satellites or transporting people to space but obviously it became a very very profitable niche or not profitable attractive niche for, for investments yeah. yeah because right now we have a lot of economical problems all over the world but still there are somehow billions of dollars that are raised for these uh space companies vincent did i think you want to say something yeah it looked I, like I, it yeah it is it is true i wasn't sure if you finished or not yeah, i'm done <laughs> um I, I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I am asking myself how much prestige is in there, right? How many, uh, when it comes to millions of dollars, obviously you, do you want to invest in something and is it just because you want to, or is it more because you also see purpose in it and financial value? All of that obviously is a much more, much harder evaluated than when we're talking about a few hundred or a few thousand euros, right? It's oh, prestige doesn't play a role that much but often i feel like this is not the case when it comes to those to space it, because space often is still connected with government funded actions therefore there is a lot of money in the game also a lot of money to be fair that isn't bound to private equity which means that the it is different in the way it works uh, when it comes to financial pressure of return and these kind of questions i ask myself always when it comes to those space startups because i agree that there definitely is use for us but to be fair i don't see the economic use for it yet i see a lot of defense i see a lot of information a lot of I, I see that the data information transfer and also science use is high, but I really would like to know what kind of economic business cases we they are, are calculated there. Yeah, yeah. And laying below this. Absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. on a on a high level, we can already see that. Uh, for example, logistics is something that is booming right now because there are companies who are building space stations and they are planning to do colonization on uh, moon on mars and so there are a lot of companies that are completely financing themselves with transporting goods to the orbit or to 
in the future of to the moon, for example. Yeah, and we see that with uh, the technologies becoming more efficient and lightweight, we see this new trend of shooting up satellites in all areas of the orbit for all kind of purposes. So there are uh, companies like. Uh, ESA Aerospace, for example, who made a business case completely out of lightweight, small satellite transportation, right? And so th those are new business cases where a lot of money is invested simply to move stuff around. Yeah? So this is like one, I, one business I, case. I see that, but all of that is procurement. All of this is the procurement of goods to the actual business case yeah, yeah right so this is this is the in-between business case that works because there is another business right. case a much bigger beyond yeah. right it's like you're having a server business and that server business runs very well because social media companies are renting all of it yes perfect it works it brings money in the economy you know grows great But this only can happen because social media companies are making billions <laughs> out of their business. Right. So my question is, okay, the procurement, the delivery of goods, all of that, great. But where is the money coming from? Absolutely. And for example, the construction of the moon base that we see with the Artemis program right now, this is uh, something driven by... Um, let's say, politics. We go to the moon because we want to go to the moon because after that we want to go to Mars. There is no... And because it is hard, obviously. Yeah, We're yeah, I know, but it's not... <laughs> this itself is not a business case. We are not planning to open oh, up okay. a McDonald's on, on moon and that's why it's very profitable to be on the moon, right? But uh, at the same time, there are all these speculations, for example, for mining rights on asteroids yeah or for minerals that we might find on the moon or sure. for, find on mars and there this is exactly this thing in theory this might be a new el dorado where we see very very rare minerals m minerals that are mined somewhere on the on the space rocks and there's this big question who is owning the space rock is it going to be spacex because they were the first ones landing there or is it like a common property of the human race <laughs> i don't know yeah but but and For these theories, I always wonder myself, is this science fiction? Is this something that we want to see because it looks cool on uh, in science fiction movies? Or is this actually going to happen the moment we start building uh, colonies on, on uh, other planets? Yeah? And this is exactly the thing. If we are going to have the, the uh, base on Mars, is this going to eat all of our resources? Or will this be the most profitable enterprise that humans ever, ever created? I, I one of myself. I don't know the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I wonder too. Empty Thank faces. you so much for tuning in. <laughs> right, yeah. And we'll yeah. see you next week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are I mean we are already over time. So bye. Bye Thank everyone. You. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode and for that, we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode.